the day is finally here that I have been anticipating for quite a while now. It's Christ the King Sunday. (laughs) I bet you thought I was going to say something about it being my last sermon as a pastor here at Good Shepherd. Well, that's true. But more importantly, today is Christ the King Sunday, where we boldly assert that Jesus Christ is king over all. When Pastor Lauren and I, and I think Pastor Alex, you were probably part of that discussion too, we were deciding which Sunday of the church year would be my last to preach. It seemed appropriate to us all that this would be it. Now, you may be aware that Christians from around the world gather on the last Sunday of um, the church year to celebrate Christ the King Sunday. But what you maybe do not know, that it is one of the most recent additions to the church calendar, and it was instituted by Pope Pius XI in 1925, less than a hundred years ago. When Pope Benedict XV began his papacy a month after World War I, he was horrified that he was not able to broker a peace treaty and at the millions who died across Europe because of that war. So when Pope Benedict XV began, oh, excuse me, when Benedict uh, died in 1922, he was followed by Pope Pius XI, who declared that the aim of his papacy would be to reestablish the kingdom of Christ by the peace of Christ. It was into service to that mission that he introduced Christ the King Sunday as a challenge to the church to refocus their energies on the true ruler who is Jesus and away from this unquestioning fidelity to earthly powers who brought harm and destruction to many. They saw that during World War II, it conti- or World War I, it continued into World War II. So this Christ the King Sunday that we now celebrate, even as Lutherans, invites us to shift our efforts towards enacting the will of the one who was sent to rule over us. And so we can maybe begin to see a new age kind of peeking over the horizon, maybe see something new and helpful for the world. Or orienting our lives towards the commands of Christ was meant to help us move towards what Christ had hoped for, for this world. And that was that we would all know reconciliation, that we would all know hope, that we would all know healing, and that we would know peace. Well, today's gospel lesson for uh, this day helps us reflect on two important things about our king, who we call Jesus. First, it reminds us what Jesus expects from us who call him Lord. In our gospel, Jesus tells the story of the last judgment, and it's kind of a heavy one, don't you all think? It's kind of heavy. But we hear this criteria which is set up by God for expectations on how we are to live our lives. It says that everyone, all nations, will be judged on the basis of this text. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. 
I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Most of us know that these simple and small acts are just our response to our Christian faith. They just are what we do. You might say they're in our DNA because we follow Jesus. And we do these simple acts because the light of Christ is in each of us. We hear that at our baptisms. So we do give cups of water. We do write cards. We maybe help with recycling. We help carry bags. Maybe we help buy a Christmas gift for someone in need. It's just what we do as disciples of Jesus. We know that love and kindness that Jesus is talking about here are not just principles that we talk about, but are actions in which we participate person to person, face to face, over and over again in our lives. In 2011, during the last deployment of Pastor Jess Abbott to Iraq, He was the pastor here at that time, and he was an army chaplain. And I had this ministry task of purchasing, excuse me, smart wool socks for service members who were serving overseas. Just kind of helped us hook up with some people over there. And the congregation collected money for this effort. So I headed down to Benchmark in Blue Ash, the local outdoor adventure store, and I bought lots and lots of pairs of smart wool socks in the colors of black, brown, and green. The person at the checkout said to me he never sold so many pairs of smart wool socks at one time and was very curious about what I was doing. So I told him I was buying them The church was buying them for these service members overseas for whom we had been praying. And we had asked them maybe what they would appreciate for Christmas. Well, he was surprised, number one, that we would do this. And then he went on and on about how nice it was that we were doing this for those who were serving abroad. I have to tell you, I was a little embarrassed by that on and on and on because I just thought, oh, this is what we do. I appreciated that the clerk was saying this to me, but I knew Good Shepherd chose to serve like this because Jesus always cares for others, right? Jesus always cares for others. As disciples of Jesus, we respond to others with love because of our faith And we know that this makes life more livable for everyone. We know this also because we too have experienced these small gestures of kindness in our own lives and what a difference those have made. The person who uh, genuinely is thirsty can tell you how important it is to just have a cup of cold water. The person who has not had a visitor at the nursing home for maybe a month can tell you what it means to them to have someone take an hour out of their lives to do just that. Perhaps that's one reason why the sheep in the parable did not know the good they had done. Their acts seemed small and inconsequential. And one imagines them saying, Lord, all I did was volunteer a couple hours at the hospital. Or, Lord, all I did was just go and pack some meals for the hungry. Oh, Lord, all I did was just help at Habitat. That's all. I don't remember seeing you there. 
when we often expect to we often expect to encounter God I think in grand and glorious ways saints we think are often heroic who do great things for the faith but surprise this lesson says surprise saints are the one who do the great things by doing the small things giving cups of water visiting the lonely sharing a sandwich forgiving maybe giving up that prime parking space during the Christmas shopping frenzy. Saints are the ones who live daily responding with love and compassion, thus sharing the gospel of Jesus and extending the ministry of Jesus to all. So when the king comes in his great glory, when all the people of the world are arrayed before him, when it's our time to stand before Christ, what will the king ask us? Did you feed those who were hungry? Did you reach out to those who were unloved? And we might say, it was nothing, Lord. But in the judgment of the king, those simple things are everything because it is a visible sign of the inbreaking of the kingdom of God in the world. And to tell you the truth, Some may say these little things do not offer long-term global solutions or long-term solutions to global problems. But I think it's really God's job to worry about that. Yes, I do know we need organizations that will help solve the problems of the world, who will help combat things like malaria or world hunger or uh, to broker peace in a world that's in such conflict. But it is our call to continually be faithful through our actions and to be an outpost for God's kingdom, to be a place where people can see God's kingdom breaking into the world. We know the one who sits on the throne. And that doesn't mean we do what we do in order to earn the king's favor. Because guess what, folks? You already have God's favor. You are already God's beloved. We do the things we do because we know the king, the crucified king, the risen king, Jesus Christ. These acts of love that we do flow from us because we belong to that king. Well, Christ the King Sunday also helps us reflect on where we might just meet Jesus, as this text tells us. As a pastor who has worked with families over the years, I've had children sometimes ask me, Pastor Pat, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? I think they seem to expect that they might see him as they're walking through the building. And often I have struggled with how to answer that question for that child. I I think in my mind, should I tell the child that Jesus is up in heaven in all his glory? Should I say, well, he lives inside of you and me because of the Holy Spirit that was given to us in baptism, which is true? And should I say that you can find Jesus, you can always find Jesus in God's word? Should I say that every time we gather at the table, guess what? Jesus is there. He promises to be there, be here. Or should I say that every time you gather with family and friends at the church, or in even other places, through that interaction, 
together Jesus is there. Where is Jesus? We would say that he's in all those places and more. And we would also say that we encounter him in the hungry, in the thirsty, in the sick, in the prisoner, and in the one who is different. Jesus left no doubt that we would see him in those people, these people, when he said, Truly, I tell you, just as you have served one of the least of these who are the members of my family, you have served me. You probably all know that there are many delightful folk tales about people encountering Jesus in the least. Leo Tolstoy wrote one about Papa Pavno. This story captures the idea of seeing Christ in our neighbor in need. And the story takes place on Christmas Day, like many of them do. And in it, Papa Pavno meets Jesus in a street sweeper, a beggar, a small, uh, a young mother, and a baby. And they all visit his house because he sees them struggling against the cold, and he invites them into his home for a refuge. It's only later that he recognizes Jesus visited him through the people he helped that day. I love what some biblical scholars suggest about this gospel lesson. What really is at stake in this last parable is not just eternal judgment, as it often gets focused on, but rather the delight and meaning and recognizing the Lord right now. Jesus, as it turns out, comes not as a sovereign king we might expect, but instead appears to us in the needs of those, excuse me, in the needs of those around us. For this reason, before we can be Christ for others, we need to see Christ in the other. A theologian whose name I cannot remember once wrote, when Jesus comes into our hearts, he always brings his friends. This parable calls us to see Jesus now and everyone he calls his friend. And boy, does Jesus have a lot of friends. So, on this day, as I preach my final sermon, I encourage us all to love others by all we do because our Good Shepherd first loved us. This is the ministry that we have been called to embody as a congregation, not just for 34 years, but for almost 70 years. We will be called to do that again and again because of the cross of Christ. It is as simple as that, and it is as challenging as that. Beloved, since God has loved us so much, let me say it one last time. Let us always love one another, for that is what our Good Shepherd has called us to do. Amen. Amen.